The best of the prince and the pauper rolled into one. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. When it comes to a president of the United States, we want someone who can rule justly. But we also want someone from the working class, someone who understands what it means to come from the bottom up, and someone who can value those values found in the working class. Well, that's exactly what we find in Jesus from a spiritual perspective. Not only is he the God of this universe and the King of kings and Lord of lords, but he's also human. He's also one of us. And that's what we're learning today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from the book of Hebrews. Join us, won't you? Here's Pastor Phil. Don't let me rot. Fulfill what the psalmist said. Don't let me go to Sheol and stay there and the skin worms eat my body. Resurrect me. Get me out of the grip. I must die. I know I must die. Raise me soon. I don't want to stay in Chio. And three days was enough. Christianity, isn't it amazing, was born in a sealed cave when God said, I'm satisfied. Skin worms won't eat my son. And resurrected him. Just like that. He answered his prayer. He truly did. Still went to the cross, but death cannot keep its prey cannot even conquer death. So, he's in this agony who's able to save him. I'm in agony about the cross, and other times he went and prayed all night, staggered at the unbelief he was meeting, staggered over the pain he saw, the deaths, the leprosy, the poverty, all the people were in dire straits, and he felt their pain over and over. He felt their pain. He felt compassion. This is a sympathetic high priest that can sympathize. You come to him, I can't pay a bill. Don't worry, I've been there. Death. Don't cry at a funeral. He did. Stoics. He did. He was broken. His heart ached over Lazarus. He ached over Mary and Martha and their grief. Oh, this is a Savior that is tender emotions, tender emotions, able to sympathize. And some believers, I look in your face, I sense none of that. Maybe you're bitter. Maybe you're stuffing. It'd be great if we could advertise in our manner and our countenance, I want to understand you. I don't want to criticize you. I'd like to understand you. But when you're consumed with yourself, you can't take much time to understand somebody else. You know, I uh, uh, live with back pain so long and five surgeries, and I've got a daughter that lives with it facing more surgeries, uh, just a wreck, knees, back. Chronic sufferers are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and they don't want to tell you one more time they're hurting. <clears throat> you just don't get enough sympathy to make it worth it. 
and just say, how are you feeling? Well, I feel like I did the last time. I'm in pain. Well, you said that last time. I thought you'd get over it. Get over it. You don't get over pinched nerves. You don't get over herniated discs. You don't get over chronic conditions. You don't get over, I'm kind of a wreck, but I'm here by faith. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm not hurting. Maxine Kyle, one of our dear African-American sisters, 95 now. She, if she was in good health, she would choke me. She never wants you to know her age. 95. Little Maxine. She calls me once in a while, and this is her line. Pastor, I just can't make it out like I used to. Driving herself to church till she was 93. Morning and night. And then she says this line. I just want to say, Pastor, my spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. Do you think God will give her a pass on not making it at 95 and the body's caving in? Jesus says, I went through such agony. Matter of fact, I bore their sicknesses. I bore their pain. And there was this model. I, I don't know how to say this. You're going to misinterpret me, but I want to say it anyway. He was sad an awfully lot. For Isaiah said, he shall be called a man of sorrow. He wasn't giddy. I don't think it was a sin for him to laugh. But he was known as a man of sorrow. He was bearing the infirmities, the sorrows, the pain of the people he came among. And this is one who's known heaven, known perfect fellowship. He knew what the world was like before sin he, knew what, he knows what perfect is. He knows what perfect environment, perfect obedience. But he said, I'm going to enter so I can be touched. So I can be touched. Some of you want exemption from human suffering. You won't go to the hospital. You don't want to work with kids. You want to be into a mature Bible study in a nice house. Because I don't want to get dirty. Don't get too close to sinners. And God forbid anybody from the hood come. Because we don't want to be bothered. We want to make believe that everybody around you is going to heaven. The majority are going to hell. And I'm afraid we may not care. That's what I have to fight. As long as I go to heaven, why care if they go to hell? Jesus cares. Do you? That's the issue. The problem isn't with Jesus. It's with us. He can sympathize. He can sympathize, I think, with a man going to hell. He wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I came to gather you up as a mother hen to protect you from the hawk that's flying around and wanting to devour you in the barnyard. They'll do it, you know. I've come to gather you. I've come to love you. I've come to protect you and save you more than just from Rome, but from eternal separation from your God. I've come to gather up the children of Abraham, and I'm weeping that you won't have me. I want to represent you. I want to rescue you, and you want to kill me. I'm weeping over you, Jerusalem. My heart's crushed that you don't want me. He can sympathize. And he said, 
he was heard because of his reverential fear. Now watch this. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. What is that saying? If you're born into royalty, you can get exemption from war. If you're born into royalty, you can be exemption from the military. Although he was a son, he got no exemption from suffering. That's what it's saying. He wouldn't take it. He said, though I'm a son, though I'm del the delight of my father, he still learned the experiential aspect of obeying when it costs you to obey. You know what? Most of us, Malcolm Muckeridge said, most of life's greatest lessons are learned in suffering. Any humility you got, you probably got it from a humiliating, humbling experience. Broken home, prodigal children, bankruptcy, lots of pain. You just, that's why I quote my dad so much. So much of the history had already happened before the baby boy comes along. So that all that ancient history, as it were, all that suffering, 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 suffering. Then I get the last 10 years of his life with all this vintage wisdom. Born, not reading books, but in surviving suffering. As I went to hear uh, Ellie Wiesel in the YMHA, Young Men Hebrews Association, in Manhattan this last, in November. You know why you listen? You know why you put your ear to the ground? You just read Ellie's book, Night. You read about the Holocaust and how they took his mother and his sister when they got him at Auschwitz. And they took them that night. He never saw them again. But then he stayed with his old daddy. And he watched his daddy die. Watched his daddy driven like an animal. And this young boy of 15, he said, my God died at Auschwitz. He was a young, devout Jewish boy. Probably could have been headed for being a rabbi. Very devout. But the suffering. And so when Eli speaks up, we listen. We listen. After I see Selma, I want to hear. I used to, when I spoke at the NAACP here in town, when Cynthia Marshall put me up, I said, I want somebody to represent Selma in Birmingham. And he, she gave me her mother who was there when the 16th Street Baptist Church was bombed. We got Cynthia's mother to sing. And I want to tell you, you can have church by the time that old holiness woman sung who grew up in Birmingham in segregation and suffering and pain. I listen to people who've suffered. I don't listen to people who've got it all together and always had a silver spoon in their mouth. And so I listen to a Savior that suffered. You understand. You know what I'm going through. You know how to do something to aid me. Then it goes on to say, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So what is he saying? Uh, he was appointed to represent us. He's able to sympathize with us. 
And here it says he became perfect. How do you make perfection perfect? How do you make a God that uh, never sinned perfect? The word perfect here had the idea of completing a goal, running across the goal line. So the interesting little Greek word teleos, it's used in maturity, and the idea is you achieve the goal. You, you became what you ought to be. And it's saying in all of his suffering, his obedience was perfect. He crossed the line. He did exactly what the Father wanted all the way up to the cross. He was perfect in his obedience. And it's not the perfection of his humanity. It's the perfection of his office. He perfectly ran the full course of representing us even the death of a cross. He represented us perfectly. And then he says, being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Obeying God and believing God are used synonymously. Romans 1.5, the obedience of faith. John 6 said, this is the work of God that you believe in his Son. Faith is the work that saves. Faith is the work that saves. Now, let's, let's do a little thinking here. In Hebrews 4, 13, says the word of God lays you bare, that you're naked before God. There's nothing to hide. He knows everything about you. And uh, we've got a high priest that represents us and offers sacrifices. He's got to do something about our sins. So he represents us, but the Old Testament high priest had to bring sacrifices for what we've done. Now, what do we have up here? We have a representative for God's people who offers the sacrifice of himself. He doesn't bring one. He is the sacrifice, and he represents us. Now, I want you to think of this. Think of this as going to court, going to court and having sinned. Uh, and if you remember Lincoln, Lincoln says a man who defends himself in court as a lawyer has a fool for a client. Uh, they could not imagine, they could not imagine in the ancient world and even today that anybody would be so foolish as to represent themselves in court. I mean, you're charged. I know. I went to court and represented myself and lost. It went this way. I had an accountant that was doing my taxes, always put me under a Schedule A, and that was fine for me. I'm not the accountant. I ought to be a Schedule C. Well, they red-tagged me five years in a row. Five years. My accountant says, don't go see this local IRS rep. Uh, found out later, he and this rep were in a spat. They didn't get along. So I was never allowed to enter. Okay, I'm just following counsel, what this account says. Then he finally says, after the fifth time, says, you know what? Uh, we need to go to court. I can't represent you. Uh, and don't get a lawyer because they go easier if you represent yourself. Big mistake. Well, federal court had a circuit riding court here. Federal tax court meets in San Francisco. And the guy was out from Washington, D.C., 
red-headed, balding, wore glasses, and don't mess. I saw him nearly three. He, he threw out nearly two lawyers while I'm waiting my case. This one lawyer did like this. I'm just watching this. This place is packed. And this lawyer did like that. And, and the judge speaks up, Mr. So-and-so, I will throw you out of this court if you nod your head one more time. Do you understand? I didn't come from D.C. to have a lawyer nodding to the client. Oh, I'm, I'm like this now. This is the judge I'm going before. And I got my little brief, you know. And before I went into the courtroom, I'm going up and down these corridors, and all I see is about 50 different lawyers for the federal government. And they're talking to each other. And they're this and that. I think, wait. All these guys are on the side of who I'm going up against. The government says I owe them taxes. My accountant says I don't. And he says I could defend myself. Do you get the picture? <laughs> this is called idiocy. And, and so I, I'm going there. Carolyn had the nerve to go with me. She's sitting in the gallery. And so Mr. Howard versus the United States government. I mean, that very announcement. <laughs> Phil, that Mr. Howard versus the United States government and his 50 lawyers. I, I thought, you've got to be kidding. It was only $2,000. Let's just pay it. So uh, I go up. I permit, present this flimsy case the best I could. And then the uh, judge, he goes to the federal lawyer. He said, sir, uh, what do you have to say? Mr. Howard owes us this much money. He has no case. Uh, that, that's it. He ought to be Schedule C instead of A. I don't think his accountant knows what he's doing. This is our case. And this judge, he just points at me. He says, come here, Mr. Howard. Meet me in my chair. Oh, you know, all right. Give me the death sentence. We go back there, and, and this federal lawyer comes back with me, has me sit down. He looks at me and says, Mr. Howard, you're having bad counsel. Your accountant doesn't know what he's doing. I don't believe you're a crook. Pay us $2,500 and get out of here. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Never again. I fired my accountant. By the way, this was kind of fun. We stayed in court so late that the garage where my car was had been locked in, and the federal lawyers gave me a ride home. The guy trying me. Let me tell you what I found out. When you go to court, you better have somebody that can represent you. And when you're dealing with God, don't think you can represent yourself. He said it all the way from the Old Testament. You need a middleman if you're going to have a relationship with God. You're naked, you're guilty, you're sinful, and I don't want to hear your case without a middleman. So now I've appointed you one mediator that will represent your case. And it's no one less than my son. He's taking your case. And that's what he's saying. So I have a representative on high. So what should this mean to you besides you being asleep during the sermon? Uh, what should this mean? Uh, when guilt, when weakness, 
when sin, when shortcoming, uh, you know, you, all your life you said you're ugly, and you might be. Uh, you said you're a failure. You may be. Who convinced you of that? With all your hang-ups, all your hang-ups, how could I ever have a relationship with God? God says, how dare you undo the representation of my son for you? He doesn't see you guilty anymore. He doesn't see you just weak. For your standing before God is based upon his work, not yours. So the guilt we heap on ourselves, our weaknesses, our failures, our foibles, all that's wrong with us. We have ugly days. We have ugly moods. Well, come on. Someday you just blew it. And you say, how in the world could I have a right standing with God? It's who's representing you. And he represents you on the basis of what he's done for you so that you walk out of the court not guilty, Cleared, free, already paid. And so, I don't think that's too bad. I don't think that's too bad. So, he's telling these dear believers, suffering believers, you want to go back to the Aaronic priesthood? You want to go back to temple? You want to go back to synagogue? This is the best thing you could ever have, an offering, one representing you who is the Son of God, one who's been appointed by God, one in a higher order of priesthood than even Aaron. He's in a Melchizedek order, and we'll look at it later, okay? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're going to sing another song, so don't run out. What I told the music, I want to preach first before you're totally wore out. So they're cutting the front so I go longer. Not really. But then we're going to sing, and then we're going to intercede we're trying to bring our missionaries. Do any of you know that we support 11 missionaries? Do you know anything about them? Sarkar, we've got them in Romania. We've got them in Bangladesh, India, Mexico, uh, Bay Area Rescue Mission. Uh, we've been doing first resort to help ch uh, young ladies save their children. On and on, we've got different missionaries. Many of you don't know. You're new to this church. And we're going to give a list to you of the missionaries and what we support. But the greatest support they need besides a check is our intercession. That God would make them abound. That God would protect them. God, and here's the Andersons. Uh, oversee the rescue mission for years. And so we have an affinity with that work. And we don't want you to forget it. It's easy to forget those on the front line doing missions work. But your dollar... Your prayers and your personal encouragement can make them feel like going when it's a tough day. And we want to encourage them every way we can. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together today, taking us to God's Word, growing in grace. And it is our prayer that as we spend time with you here on our Sunday edition of Truth For Today, that you find yourself encouraged, prepared to go and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have questions or comments about the broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. As always, your correspondence with us means a great deal. It lets us know that we're here on a regular basis on KFAX doing what the Lord has called us to do, and that is mutually edifying one another in the glory of Christ. 
Again, questions, comments, prayer requests, feel free to contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Resource materials and other information can be found at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. And as we conclude our time together, we also would remind you that this broadcast is listener-supported. As you link arms with us financially and prayerfully, we're able to continue the ministry here on KFAX, not only Monday through Friday in the mornings, but also Sunday mornings here as well. And again, We'd love to hear from you. You can donate securely online, and it is a tax-deductible donation. You can do so at valleybible.org or simply write and send your check to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, 94547 is the zip code. Information about today's broadcast, copies, and what all is available, simply call us at 855 833 9864. Also, as you do support the ministry on a regular basis, you become a TFT sustainer, which means a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and access to Pastor Phil's weekly video devotional called Take a Break. Find out more by visiting valleybible.org. And if you're not currently involved in a worship service near you, consider joining us here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Details, directions, and information can again be found at valleybible.org or by calling 855-833-9864. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. God bless.